Welcome back to Cargumentative, a Times Live podcast in which we discuss all things cars and motoring. I'm your host, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times, and this week I'm joined by Dennis Dropper from BD Motor News and the one and only Brenwin Naidu, who's also part of the Sunday Times, and Sowetan Motoring. It's all very confusing, but uh, the next half an hour or so won't be confusing because we're going to be chatting about what's been going on in the world of cars. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Good to be here. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I think to eliminate confusion, we could just say that we're all bad for the same team. That's right. We do. We do. I like that. As the Blues Brothers um, said, we got the band back together. <laughs> we did. We did. I went off on a tangent for a few weeks and um, we were having a little bit of a connection issue. And that was all just getting very um, breaking, upping and fragmented and just weird. So I thought, let me just do a couple of solo shows and talk to some people. Um, so it went obscure as it always does when I'm in charge of things. But now we're back. We've got the band back together. And uh, Dennis, let's kick things off with you. What's been happening? Well, the big news, of course, is what we've all been waiting for with bated breath, and that's that car dealers were allowed to reopen, finally. This lockdown has obviously hit the motor industry in quite a major way, as it has uh, the economy in general. So as from Wednesday, the 13th of May, car dealers were allowed to open their doors again. As part of the reopening of dealerships, you are also allowed to take your car in for emergency repairs and scheduled services if your warranty calls for that. The only thing you're not allowed to do is take it for any kind of cosmetic repair. But uh, yeah, look, the good news is the industry has opened its doors again. The bad news is that car prices are set to increase very soon. I've just done a industry-wide survey and most motor companies are saying that price increases are fairly imminent, perhaps even double-digit increases. According to Hyundai, we could go up to 12% price increases. So the message is that even though many of you may have lost your jobs or have salary cuts, now is a good time to buy a car. Jeez, that's crazy, huh? Which brands have been worst affected? Well, I haven't had official comment from BMW yet. I'm still waiting for that. But one of their dealers told me, off the record, yeah. as long as I don't name that dealer, that uh, all BMWs will go up in price from the 1st of June by 9%, with the exception of the 5 Series. I don't know why the 5 Series. Uh, Hyundai told me on the record that they're expecting price increases of between 8 and 12% within the next 12 months. And like I said, sort of industry-wide survey reveals much the same. A lot of them won't commit to the kind of percentages we're expecting, but uh, those two percentages I did mention are, are quite scary. They are very scary. I mean, it's bad news for dealers selling new cars, but I guess uh, on the flip side of things, um, it could be good news for the secondhand part of the car market. And we'll probably find a lot more people buying secondhand than going new. It is indeed. Autotrader, for instance, has reported a, a big spike in uh, searches for cars and in particular, people looking below the 50,000 Rand mark. So it looks like there is a buying downtrend. Yeah, I also saw that. And I mean, the other night I was a bit bored. So I hopped onto Auto Trader and 
had a look at what you can buy for under 50,000 Rand. There's a lot of stuff out there, but it's not it's not great. Um, getting some very tired old Ford cars. Um, I saw one nice Opel Corsa Light, about 40,000 Ks on the clock, which was sold the morning after. I checked again, so that was gone. But yeah, it, it's hard out there for people looking to get a car or you know downgrade or it's a nightmare it is and uh still very early days car dealers have only been open for the last couple of days so as as the weeks go on now we're going to see how the trends really emerge exactly well time will tell mr naidu yes sir if uh, if you are in the uh, 0.5 percent who can afford a car more than 500,000 rand uh today let's talk about the lexus ux Striking aesthetics rides on the Toyota CHR platform and battles against the likes of the BMW X1, Audi Q3, and Mercedes-Benz GLA class. And it's also the only vehicle in the segment to offer a hybrid derivative. Now, 284 units have been sold since uh, its launch at the beginning of 2019. And today, I attended the virtual launch of the UX250H EX, the EX suffix denotes a slightly lower specification and thus a more accessible price. But take that with a pinch of salt uh, because this is a premium mark after all. And this EX model costs, um, wait for it, 690,300 Rand, while its wow. Miranda SE counterpart is 756,200 Rand. So a bit of a saving, I guess. The overall range starts off at 654,700 for the UX 200 EX. And meanwhile, the most expensive one you, you can get is the UX 200 F Sport, which is 785,400 Rand. Look, buyers can look forward to the possibility of an all electric version uh, in 2021. But, you know, if you were to ask for my advice, I would say save your cash and just go for the regular UX 200 EX. I mean, the hybrid governments do have certain benefits, uh, particularly fuel savings and stop-go traffic conditions where the battery would be doing its thing. But I think it would take you decades to recoup the initial higher outlay. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think I think a hybrid makes a good a good buy if it's second hand, you know, and not that old. If you wanted to get something, you know, say like a Toyota Prius or something along those lines, but buying new, you just can't really justify the extra amount of cash you're going to pay. And that 200, that's the the two liter turbo motor, right? That's the two liter turbo petrol, decent engine. Um, and yeah. you know, it's it's featured in the IS sports sedan as well, so it's well proven. I think you can't go wrong with the regular UX 200EX. Yeah, I agree. I like that 200 motor in the IS. I remember when we did our saloon car shootout many years ago, when we could still go further than five kilometers from our, <laughs> from our homes, it really impressed me, you know. Uh, nice combination of power, it was pretty frugal on the highway. Good power plant there. Yeah. I mean, look, the hybrid thing has always been uh, Lexus's trump card. They've pioneered the genre and um, you know, from what I heard in the presentation today, they are committed to continuing down that path. I mean, I can see the appeal of them. I kind of, I, I enjoy a hybrid. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll come, come clean on that fact. Um, I like the Prius, but uh, the pricing is just, yeah, that's that's a lot of money to pay. Moving from Japan to Germany, you got a long-term, a new long-term Apollo GTI. Yes. Uh, yes. So before lockdown commenced on 27 March, I took delivery of my latest long-term Polo GTI and possibly the last to have made it off the production line in PE before activities were halted. So far, I've watched it enough times to make 
the neighbors believe I have OCD. And uh, I've done about 600 kilometers or so in the last uh, 40 odd days, mostly work-related trips and, of course, shopping forays. Average consumption is about eight liters per hundred around town, and that goes down to six on the freeway. The hard-riding nature of the GTI required or requires some getting used to, but every time I see another one on bigger aftermarket wheels sitting low to the ground, I think to myself, maybe things are not so bad. That said, there are some niggly squeaks and rattles pervading the rear of the cabin already, which I do need to get to the bottom of. Yeah, that's not fantastic. You know, I mean, um, German build quality. Um, I've long said that it's, it's, it's a big myth that uh, the automotive industry sold us for, for years and decades. And for a new car to, to have that, that's just not acceptable, especially uh, when you factor in the price. I mean, how, how, yeah. how much is that GTI going for now? It's, it's a slip under 400,000 Rand before options. And what I can say is that having had a Golf as a previous long-termer, uh, the difference in quality and texture and just overall feel is quite stark. You know, you can tell that the Polo sits below the Golf on the product hierarchy from, from the way it drives and with the, the quality of plastics, for example, that you'll find on the door panels, quite hard and scratchy. It's interesting. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I drove that, uh, that Polo GTR when it came out. I think it was last year. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I was a twenty eight yeah, twenty eighteen. Didn't really do much for me, I've gotta be honest. I mean I found it quite a an aloof car, not something that you really felt like taking by the scruff of its neck and throwing around. It was quite an anodyne, you know. I don't know. It kind of lost a little bit of that playfulness that the previous Polo GTIs had, but maybe I'm just getting old and cynical. Uh Dennis. What have you been driving? Have you had anything in your garage? Um, have you got your Merc back? Um, <laughs> I, you know. I do, but I actually received a, a test car this week because uh, now that the lockdown is gradually easing, the, the test cars are coming out to play again. And this happens to be the brand new Suzuki Espresso, which is ah. South Africa's cheapest car. So we, we attended the virtual launch of this vehicle uh, a month ago. And I finally had a chance to drive it a little bit. And I must say, I'm pleasantly surprised. It is very light and it is somewhat loud. That three-cylinder engine isn't, isn't the most refined engine I've driven. But overall, for, for the price, I mean, it starts at 134900 So that makes it South Africa's cheapest car. And you do get quite a lot for the package. I mean, that little engine, despite not having a huge amount of output, because the car is so light, it is actually quite a decent uh, open road cruiser. And it maintains the national speed limit up a hill on the freeway, even with the aircon running. Mm. And uh, it's got a few bells and whistles like the remote central locking and the, the infotainment system. So all the, all the things that buyers really expect. Plus, it's got the ABS brakes and the airbags. So overall, for the price, I think it's quite a pleasant little package and appealing styling for young first-time buyers. Yeah, um, I have to agree with you. I like the styling of that car. Um, I think as small budget entry-level cars go, it, um, it looks good. And the proportions are a lot better than what you'd find on, say, the Datsun Go and the Renault Quid. Have you got um, the top-of-the-range one, the 
S edition or have you got mm. the one just below that? I actually have the S edition, which retails for 148000 So that's mm. got a couple of extras in it, like the reversing camera and the touch screen and a couple of splashes of color here and there. It's also got the exterior uh, plastic body panels to make it look slightly more like an SUV, which is all the range these days. But I mean, yeah. if you don't want all the fancy cosmetics, you can get much the same car for 135 grand. It's an absolute steal. And compared to the Quid, I mean, the Renault Quid and the Datsun Go, they don't exactly set the, the bar very high in terms of uh, drivability. Would you say this drives better than a Quid or a Go? Or is it on a par? Uh, I, think, I think in terms of actual drive quality, it would be on a par. I mean, this is this has got quite a high ground clearance, 180 millimeters. So it's a, it feels perhaps a little bit top heavy if you really try and throw it around corners. But it's it's not really a car that's made for that kind of thing. It's it's really a city car that ventures out onto the open road from time to time. And so from that point of view, it's a great little package. And as I say, the the styling is great. It'll it's certainly appealing. The one thing I, I have reservations about is it hasn't been crash tested yet. So we continually pillory the Quid and the Datsun Go for their poor crash safety ratings. And, and even though this uh, Espresso does have dual airbags and ABS brakes, we, we don't actually know how it will perform in a crash test. Exactly. And that's the thing. Um, I suppose the jury is still going to be out until that car is actually tested by Global NCAP. And I think Suzuki should do it sooner rather than later. But, yeah, for the price, it's... Um, it's quite an appealing little thing. I'd like to get one on test, actually, to to give it a, a whirl myself. It also comes with one year's free insurance, which is quite nice for first-time buyers. I haven't had anything to drive, really, because um, the fleet company came to take away my my ATOS, which I only drove about three times to the shops, so I didn't really get a, a good... A good insight into that car, but uh, it looks it looks a lot better than the old Atos, and uh, seems to drive okay for what it is. It's got Apple CarPlay, which is nice, so you can play podcasts and music and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, since then, it's been gone for about two weeks. I haven't had anything in the garage. I think I'm going to hold out until we get to level three, just so that um, I can hopefully go out on longer drives and take them out to Michalisburg and do the usual test route. So from my side, car-wise, been a little bit quiet. What else is it to report? The world's gone mad in the Formula <laughs> One scene. As you guys have probably seen, um, Vettel is um, is leaving Ferrari. That's right, and, and that set off all the musical chairs. Big time, yeah. So, so he's gone, well, he's probably going to leave the sport, that's the rumor, and taking his place is Carlos Sainz, who was at McLaren, and then taking Carlos Sainz's seat at McLaren is Daniel Ricciardo. So some interesting shakeups, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Sainz fits into Ferrari and gets on with his teammate, Charles Leclerc, because, you know, there's, there's always been, I mean, he seems to be like the big guy there. Uh, he's obviously going to be the, the number one driver, um, so there might be some friction. They are both young and hungry, those drivers, so there's bound to be some friction. But that's what makes the sport so exciting, isn't it? It is. Two cocks in a hen house always makes for interesting viewing. And then McLaren as well. I mean, I, I, I think it's a good idea. Well, I think it was a good idea of McLaren to get Ricciardo because I think he's a, he's a good driver. He's got a lot of talent. Um, he pushes hard. And that Renault just hasn't shaped up for him. 
So I think the McLaren team is on the up, or they were the last time um, they actually raced. Uh, last season they finished well, so he should be able to perform better driving with McLaren next year. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Vettel might possibly be considered for a Mercedes drive to to take over from uh, from the number two at Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 also interesting. Um, I heard those rumors, and I mean I like Vettel. He's He's kind of matured and he says what he wants to say. It would be sad to see him go. He's quite outspoken. If he could stay and if he could get into Mercedes, which is obviously a German team, um, that could be very interesting. I'd love to see that partnership because we, we've never seen them in the same car. And I think Bottas just hasn't, you know, he's always had the tools. He's come close, but he hasn't really delivered um, I suppose one could say the same about Vettel going to Ferrari, a team that he never really seemed to be comfortable in. And it would be cool to see Vettel have one last hurrah, um, yeah. you know, a make or break. And if you could get into Ferrari for one year, I'd love to see that. I really would like to see that. Anyway, producer Paige has probably fallen asleep on her mixing console. So we're going to have a quick break and we'll be back with you guys shortly. is filled with flavor. But you know that Or who secured the latest bag? Or just who's dripping with sauce? And who's adding the spice? Because if it's hot, then it's definitely in the cheese pod. Welcome back to Cargumentative. Folks, apologies for that really long first segment, but we were all so excited to be back in the virtual studio together. And here we are, refreshed after our break, segment two. And in this segment, I'd like to chat to you all about meeting your heroes. And that's automotive heroes, of course. Um, I think all of us have that one car that we've always had a thing for. It could have been up on our walls when we were younger. But we all have that one car that we aspire to drive, that we'd like to to get behind the wheel of. I want to know from you guys if you've ever had a scenario where you've driven a car that you've had a thing for and it hasn't really lived up to all the expectations. Yeah, well, you know, Tom, I think like uh, you and Dennis, I've got a few uh, automotive heroes from yesteryear. But uh, something that stands out for me in recent memory was two years ago, 2018, uh, a friend of mine in the industry who owns a pretty pretty tidy E39 BMW M5 let me have a go in it. And uh, this was a car that I really idolized, having sampled it on Need for Speed high stakes in the year 2000. And it was pretty cool. I mean, that, that V8 sounded good. It still felt really crisp, uh, really tight. Although, I mean, I was very aware that this this was a car that was, you know, at the time, 18 years old. The novelty factor was was huge, and I was I was pretty impressed, even by contemporary standards. That that M5 feels strong, uh, and the fact that it had a functioning television and telephone as well was pretty cool. That's amazing. What kind of TV reception could you pick up? Actually, the, the only channel that it could pick up was uh, ETV. So, <laughs> but the telephone worked. He actually bought a SIM card and, and fitted it into the phone so, so he could make calls. Uh, 
Uh, the car also had a fridge, a rear fridge, which I, I believe was quite a rare option in those days. It's one of the only E39 Infas with that option. And it really had all the amenities for, for the businessman of the day. Yeah, that's a cool car. Uh, I actually haven't driven one myself, but I would like to. So E39 M5, that was your hero. You met it. You were happy. Going forward, is there anything else on your automotive hero's radar that you want to drive? Definitely. Uh, I am a bit of an old BMW fanboy, and one of the cars I'd love to drive is the E36 M3. Uh, it's, it's one of the cars I also idolized growing up. But I would also like to have a turn in a Mercedes-Benz W123. Never driven one. Used to be one in the family way back in the day, and I had my first crash in that car, as I might have mentioned on a previous podcast. Looking forward to driving and possibly owning one of those. I know I've bored you with many conversations over the years about this exact prospect, and I think post-lockdown, maybe early next year, once the world improves, I will take the plunge. Yeah, I think you totally have to take the plunge. They're fantastic cars, those W123 Mercs. Uh, we also had one in the family briefly, a 280E that drank petrol, but was a lot of fun <laughs> to drive. I've had a long-term 230E, which I think is the sweet spot of the range in terms of fuel consumption and performance. And uh, you saw I had that 240D on test last year, which was for sale, and uh, I think I should have bought that. And they're just, they're just great cars. They feel solid. Uh, they're well-built. They're over-engineered, very comfortable, very cosseting. And uh, I think you'd be surprised if you drove one today. Dennis, do you have any automotive heroes that you wish you had not met? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't say that I wish I hadn't met it, but let's let's say that the car that poten potentially disappointed me the most was the one that I most lusted after from my teenage years, and I had the poster on the wall, and that was a Lamborghini Countach. Now I was I finally got a chance to drive that just before my 40th birthday, and I must say that in terms of the driving experience, it felt very yesteryear and it was cramped the clutch was far too heavy you couldn't see out the windows but having said all that it, it had such an, a sense of occasion such a present and everybody just stared at it that it was still overall an, an amazing experience just as an actual sports car if you had to if you had to be honest about it, it just didn't feel great anymore compared to some of the more modern sports cars that we've driven. Exactly. I mean, I think Brendan's long-term Volkswagen Polo GTI would absolutely annihilate it um, on most levels, you know. But um, as you said, it's all about an experience. And I think a lot about what makes a car good is how it makes you feel. It's that experience. It's, it's getting in. It's starting it up. Um, it's living with the the flaws of the car and that becomes a lot more rewarding i'd say down the line than having this 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 piece of automotive perfection you want something that has personality and i think uh, the flaws just make that car better in a strange kind of way so yeah i mean it it might not be the best thing to drive especially in 2020 but uh, if you show me a car that has the amount of personality and character that something like a Countach has, well, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Um, is, is there anything else? I just want to say that one car that did pleasantly surprise me was a Mercedes 300 SL. Now, I didn't get to drive the Gullwing version, unfortunately, which is the iconic one with, uh, and the subject of many posters but I drove the convertible. 
And from a car that came from many decades ago, I found that it was very pleasant to drive and, and the closest uh, classic car that I've driven to, to, to having a modern car feel, if you can put it that way. It's just that it wasn't awkward and clumsy to drive. It felt, it felt quite natural. Yeah, they're fantastic cars, and I think with old Mercs and also old Porsches as well, you you get a sense that um, even though that they're old, you can still beat on them, um, and you can drive them hard, and you can do the things that they were designed to do from new, just because they were engineered right, and that's what makes a lot of these old German classics um, practical, and also the kind of car that you could use on a, a regular basis. And going forward, is there, is anything that you would like to drive? Yes, I would. I've never driven a Bugatti. And I think uh, that's definitely on the bucket list to, to drive a, a Veyron or a Chiron, just because it's regarded as one of the fastest, most exclusive, exclusive sports cars in the world. That's that's the one on the to-do list. Yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of supercars or hypercars. I don't know. I, I kind of find them quite pointless, but it would be quite cool to drive a Veyron because that was the car. It was the hypercar back in the day. Um, you know, it could go over 400 k's an hour. Uh, in terms of its engineering, it was just next level. You know, it was it was just so far above what everybody else was doing that, that it kind of has that... Um, it has that aura. Yeah. It has that aura, exactly. Exactly. And it's a really good reference point to have in your arsenal of driving experience. So, yeah, I do. I do agree with you on that. On my side, as a young lad, you know, growing up in the 2000s, for some reason, I was an Alfa Romeo fan. I, I don't know why, but I always had a thing for the Alfa 147. I loved the way it looked. I loved the styling. I had a friend who had one, and um, Terrier was 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 really cool. It was tan, tan on black, so it kind of had this exotic nature uh, in a car that was still affordable. And I never got to drive one until I got this job. And I remember I got a, a 147 two liter on on test back in the day. It must have been about 2008, 2009 just as they were about to uh, to be culled. And I tell you what, it was a miserable experience. You know, I had wanted to drive this car for ages. I got in, and within the first 5Ks, I was like, this is this is awful. It really, really is awful. And I was a bit crestfallen, you know, because back then I thought, well, maybe I could get one. I could get myself a, a 147. And, uh, yeah. What was it test. about the car, Tom? It was just um, – it was just – it handled so badly. It was soft and it was stodgy and it would understeer and the ergonomics were all wrong and I couldn't get comfortable and it was just, it was it was so flawed. And a few years later, I got to drive a, a really nice 145 Cloverleaf, which was obviously, you know, the generation before yeah. the, one, the, the 147 and that was an infinitely better car to drive. Um, and I think... Um, if I could find a nice 145 Cloverleaf, it would probably be a car that I might consider buying, you know, off the record. And I know a lot of my friends will will hate to hear that. No, you can, put that <laughs> you can put that on the record. I, I think the styling of those 145s is great. It's a great looking car. And, and it was um, Chris Bangle was the man behind the 145. One of his more successful designs, I think. But I mean, I've always been a Bangle fan. So that was that was an example of uh, of meeting a hero and being 
absolutely disappointed on every level. Automotive heroes, guys, we could chat about it all day. Um, unfortunately, we have no more time. Paige is about to, uh, I don't know, do bad things to me um, on WhatsApp. So we're going to have to wrap it there. So guys, thanks again for joining me in the virtual studio. Uh, it was great to catch up. So Brenwyn, Dennis, thanks a lot. And uh, for me, Thomas Faulkner, thanks again for tuning in to Cargumentative. And uh, we'll be back next week for another episode. So until then, from me and Dennis and Brenwyn, keep it safe. And uh, most importantly, stay safe. Thank you. Goodbye. See you Thank next you. time.